till I'm free and I'm bound. Ain't nothing that can take me down. I'ma find another way around. Roblox won't stop me now. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for tuning in once again to Off Kilter No Filter. I'm your host, Byron Alexander, with my fabulous co-host, Miss uh, Tammy Chase. Hello. <laughs> hey. And uh, this week, we're going to be talking about female assassins. Or at least we're going to start with female assassins, and then we'll see where the conversation goes. <laughs> And there, we're talking about <laughs> female assassins that how they're portrayed in like movies and uh, um, superhero and, genres, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Okay. And, and, and literature, right? You guys are <laughs> all bougie back there. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, though, when we talked about this before, you know, when we talked about uh, how to do this last week, um, I agree with what you said as far as, uh, you know, female assassins in literature are a little bit different because mm-hmm. because it's. Um, even though, even though female assassins are typically in books that are read by men, so we'll talk about that mm-hmm. in just a second too, because it is still through a male lens for the most part, not always. And they, most of the female assassins in books are written by men also, because men t- typically are the ones that, that's changing, by the way, hugely, and I'm going to mm-hmm. be one of those that changes it. Uh, but traditionally, men were the ones that wrote those type of thriller, spy those kind of novels and it was typically again typically because we can't say 100% right uh, typically men who read spy thriller novels um, and so uh, you know the the female assassin was written for the most part as she was portrayed in in uh, visual so the way she's portrayed in movies is the same way she's pretty much portrayed in a book mm-hmm. for the most part. Not always, because again, now you have much more, there's more female writers in that genre, including me, my female assassin, and my book that's going to come out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have to finish it before it gets published, but I, I hear. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, uh, my female assassin is is not not because I you know I'm more f- from a obviously a female lens, mm-hmm. and I'm not I'm writing more for like people like me than I am for the male perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's she's different. She's she's similar to the female assassins we're going to talk about today, mm-hmm. um, but she is she has some differences mm-hmm. that. Are a little bit less mm, sexual. <laughs> okay, and is that in re- not response, but maybe influenced by like being like, um, like post. Not, I don't want to say post feminism because feminism is still going on. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. I guess post nineteen seventies feminism is that the yeah. right way? Or, mm-hmm. I don't know. Is there a yeah, word I for know that? What you're trying to say <laughs> <laughs> post modernism? Fe- I don't know. Postmodern <laughs> feminism. But, hmm. mm-hmm. Man, that just, that's but I know what you're saying. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm, right. <laughs> but I know what you're trying to say. Mm-hmm. And yes, in a way, true. Um, because even though in my lifetime we talked about this uh, last week, also that even though in my lifetime, you know, in the 1970s, a woman could not sit on a jury in some courtrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, and a woman could not get a credit card in her own name 
without a male signature co-signing it until like Sears and, and JC Penney's, thank God for them, decided, hey, it's not the men that are spending, <laughs> right? Um, and not even paying for it anymore, by the way. By the 1970s, most women were able to pay for their own credit cards. They weren't, they didn't depend on a man to do that, especially through the 80s, 90s, and even now, right? Mm -hmm. But I think part of it is too, so I, I was raised, um, you know, there's, there's lots of different ways that I can prove in my lifetime of the patriarchy, obviously, because that, uh, I, you know, being raised in the 70s, 80s, and, you know, I was an adult in the 90s, yeah, it's everywhere still. It's still everywhere today, the patriarchy. Mm -hmm. However, uh, with the mindset, a different mindset um, that, you know, you, you don't have to use your, your sexual wiles always to be the, uh, uh, the assassin. <laughs> that you want to be <laughs> because okay I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and segue to it if you don't mind Byron because there's there's one part of that video that that I that you had me watch that was which was brilliant by the way mm -hmm. um they were talking about one of the differences between the male and female assassin the way they're portrayed mm -hmm. is like obviously the woman one of one of a, a woman's weapons can can be her looks right her sexuality can be weaponized mm -hmm. to be because she has always been portrayed Throughout history, a woman has always been considered the weaker sex. They changed that later to the fairer sex, but honestly, we know what that meant too, mm -hmm. right? That women are the weaker sex. Well, with that, women were, you know, able to use their sexual, their sexuality as a weapon, you know, bring in the man, right, to be able to harm him once he is weak by his sexual desires. Mm -hmm. But the men, men characters, some of them do that a little bit. James Bond even uses his sexual prowess, right, his sexuality to to uh, deceive women mm -hmm. and be able to kill them or whatever, right, or get information from them. Mm -hmm. However, a lot of, if not most, I would say, and somebody can prove me wrong, but a lot of them, if not most, of male assassins, it has nothing to do with sexuality. And they don't use sexuality. In fact, most of them, if they are fit, like trim and they're in good shape or whatever, it's so they can do their job better and not have to use sexuality as a weapon. Yeah, they just I'll look good doing point. it. Right. And, and of course, to be fit, of course, you can run faster. You know, you, you are physically fit often leads to mentally fit. And, of course, to be an assassin and not get caught, you know, you have to be mentally and physically fit. So books like The Jackal. And here's here's the most up-to-date modern example there is no sexuality going on in John Wick John Wick is a badass assassin motherfucker and he is not seducing anybody mm -hmm. <laughs> and he is he is a prime example of a male assassin that is not using sexuality in any kind of way mm -hmm. to get his job done so now there are a lot of female assassins now being portrayed now <laughs> as not non-sexual but they're not necessarily using their their sexuality as a weapon mm -hmm. so they are trained as much as the men are they are as fit as the men are but there's no sexuality going on in that book or that whatever at all she's just a badass that walks that walks in gets in whatever does the shot and leaves mm -hmm. right and it all revolves around capturing her you know finding out who assassinated and there's None of the, you know, she's using sex, right? There's none of the uh, terrible things happened to her. And now she's on a revenge. 
you know, Beatrix Kiddo Mm -hmm. in Kill Bill. Although although I'll say the Kill Bill movies are some of my favorite movies (laughs) of all time. Regardless of it being seen through the lens of a man, Mm -hmm. right? I do love those movies. And and part of it is, I think, because Beatrix Kiddo is not using her sexuality necessarily to kill anybody. And she's going after the other assassins. To kill them for fucking over her and and killing her, right? Mm. And so she's going after the other assassins, and half of them, actually three-quarters of them are women. Mm -hmm. Other women. That, and then um, they make the character, like, purposefully not sexy. Like, when you see her... Mm You know, you see her, and she's in, she's been in a coma, so she doesn't look like she has like any mm-hmm. makeup. She's been in a coma for like what five years or something like that, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, when she finally wakes up and you know starts on her her path, you know, you see her feet, mm-hmm. and it's like mm-hmm. unflattering. It's like, oh man, you got some you got some bad looking feet, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, and wiggle big toe. I mean, all these things that are like right. unflattering. Mm-hmm. And only time you really see her quote-unquote sexy is when she's in the the yellow uh jumpsuit or motorcycle uh-huh. suit or whatever and, and it's still not meant to, it, to be sexy to exactly necessarily. right yeah exactly mm-hmm. all the all the Which women is what i love about that movie yeah i think maybe that well i mean obviously i can't speak for him because my name's not quentin tarantino but um <laughs> i it seems like that's what he was trying to do maybe Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Well, he does make he does make Lucy Liu's character, and I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Um, Orin he Ishii. Does make her. Yeah. Because I just I love that name. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and she's she's not even overly sexualized, right? She's she's mm-hmm. yeah. So I mean, it's it's I think that's part of it. Yeah, is he makes her. This is just my opinion again. Like you, I'm not Quentin Tarantino, right? Mm-hmm. But. I think for that one, it's all, she's on a revenge thing because she, you know, she was sexually abused mm-hmm. without her knowledge for five years. Um, mm-hmm. Y'all have to see the movie to understand that. But so it is a revenge thing, and I like how he does not make her sexualized because that would almost cheapen her whole point. Mm-hmm. Her whole point is that she should be, you know, obviously she was being sold. While she was in a coma, mm-hmm. her body was, and so now she's going to go on a rampage, as she should, in my opinion, mm-hmm. to the other assassins. She does not kill anybody innocent, by the way, which is interesting, too, right? She's only after the assassins, including when she kills uh, the the black girl's daughter, right? Oh, yeah. Not, he shouldn't kill her daughter, but she kills her mom, and then she looks at the daughter and says, one day you and I will have to get square with this, mm-hmm. right? I mean, she doesn't, yeah. But anyway, so I think... To make it to where if she was to use any kind of sexuality as a weapon, it would counter everything she's trying to do by killing people that that put her in that situation. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because it would make it to mm, it would make it to uh, my daddy molested me. Now I'm only interested in old men, <laughs> kind of thing. You know that mm-hmm. kind of creepiness that happens sometimes psychologically. So I, I like that he did that. He did not overly sexualize her or really sexualize her in really any kind of way. Any, you know, any Uma Thurman the, is what she is. Yeah. Any of the assassins, honestly, from what we saw, of them, yeah, obviously no. they weren't mm-hmm. on screen that long other than to die, but right. um, <laughs> like Vivica A. Fox. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Her character. Oh, she's so beautiful. 
Right? <laughs> yeah, she. Yeah, he could have totally made her sexualized, but no. Mm-hmm. I mean, she. She's a mom. Right, and and moms can still mm-hmm. be sexy, but. She, sure, but I mean, she's not she's not putting it out there, right? At all, she's looking and, like a normal person who's not trying mm-hmm. to be sexy at the moment, mm-hmm. seducing somebody. And even um, was it L Driver? Is that her name? Is that her name? Uh, yeah. No. No, that was Zero Hannah. Hannah. Ooh, see, messed yeah. that up. Anyway, <laughs> uh, like she was it. Uh, in fact, if it wasn't for the eye patch, in some of the yeah. uh, some of the scenes, I thought. I confused her and Uma Thurman, like because they look, they had a mm. similar look, right? A little um, bit, yeah. A little bit. Um, I like Uma Thurman better than Daryl Hannah, though. Yeah, well, then, yeah, in that there's movie. something about Uma Thurman that that I really like. Hmm. I think when I saw Kill Bill, it was the last time I had seen Uma Thurman in a movie was mm-hmm. Poison Ivy, or it was Batman mm, and Robin, yeah. and she was Poison Ivy, <laughs> and I was like, hmm. yeah. I like her as poison. Ivy. I did like her as poison ivy. I mean, she she did she did kind of embody the character. There she's the sexy. See, and, yes, and <laughs> see, they did I mean, make fe- her sexy. <laughs> poison ivy, the character, isn't necessarily a female assassin, but no, um, no, she's she's a yeah, as an e- yeah as an eco terrorist. I mean, you know, hey, <laughs> there is some overlap. I'll put it that way. Um, yeah. But that but the character is written to be. Um, uh, sed- uh, sed- uh, I can't talk. The character is written to be seductive. She's supposed to be mm-hmm. sexy and like hypersexual and you know inviting to to the men that have done wrong to the planet. Um, mm-hmm. Right in, in that case, but yeah, mm, I don't know. It's interesting seeing just Kill Bill as an example, seeing people's sexuality or or their sexiness being muted. Because mm-hmm. even the other assassins, when she when the, was a Beatrix kiddo, when she was mm-hmm. when she went on the run from Bill, when she found out she was pregnant, the other female mm-hmm. assassin that came to kill her wasn't um, super sexy, but she did play up the the uh, unassuming schoolgirl. Um, mm-hmm. Not school, but mm-hmm. unassuming because she was like a waitress or something. Not a waitress, mm-hmm. uh, hotel maid, or I know there's a better word for that. But anyway. Um, you know, it's it, part of part of being a female assassin uh, is like playing into the the way patriarchy sets things up is to say, OK, mm-hmm. well, I, it's unassuming because you already see this character or this person as less than you don't see them as a threat. And so they can use that right. against you because um, mm-hmm. the other character in Kill Bill, the one with the uh, the spinning mace thing i forgot her name oh yeah 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 the japanese girl i can't remember her name either yeah she was you know, in the school girl school in the school girl, girl outfit, outfit. Yeah. yeah and she played yeah. up that trope of being you know she's scary exactly <laughs> she's like being you know sweet and innocent and um mm-hmm. but also still somewhat hypersexualized because that that plays into the trope with a lot of like anime like school girls especially because they mm-hmm. wear those mm-hmm. kinds of uniforms but they're always um, like their undergarments are exposed and if they are you know, how dare you but at the same time that again that they're using that to their advantage in order to get close to strike a killing blow mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that movie in particular is 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 different maybe that's I don't know if that's where the shift I don't want to say that's where the shift started but that's where I noticed um, yeah 
Me too. Yeah, yeah different. I agree. And, you know what I mean? And maybe it did start there. Yeah, maybe it did start there because that's when I, I noticed that more women around that time that the first Kill Bill came out, a lot of women were starting to write more thriller novels. Uh, and they had always done it, but not in the numbers that are I'm starting to see now. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and they're the, the, yeah, the female roles in those books are not catering to uh, a male lens mm-hmm. the way they used to be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it was around that time that I noticed that. So who knows, you know, mm-hmm. as far as female assassins on the screen, you know, um, Quentin Tarantino has always been a, a leader in stuff anyway, you know, mm-hmm. um, so why not? <laughs> you know, yeah, that makes, well, I could see that. Because mm-hmm. I know the Black Widow makes, she joins the conversation, but this is the MCU's version of Black Widow. So just mm-hmm. by the mandate of being part of the Disney empire, she can be sexy. However, it's toned down because it's still through the lens of Disney. Right. Yeah. Um, because even when we first meet her, <laughs> like she's a real person, but when we first see Black Widow on screen, she is in like a, in a in like a nice kind of uh, get up where it's like, you know, it's a nice dress, but it's like a, it's a classy, sexy dress type of thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And she has heels, of course, because every assassin has to have heels. And um, <laughs> but that's that's basically Again. it. I have to stop you there. I have to stop you there for just a second. Mm-hmm. That proves again what I keep telling everybody. Everything a man can do, a woman has done, is doing with high heels, on her period or pregnant, and for less money. Yeah. <laughs> Including female assassins. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes these chicks are on their periods and they're wearing high heels. Trust me. She's pissed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and when, it's funny because when you first <laughs> you first meet her, she's like she's tied up. She's doing the damsel in distress trope, right? So everybody's like, mm-hmm. or everybody, but everybody in the scene, um, right. at least the way it starts out, is that you know she's like, I don't know what the hell you want, and I'm just Jane Doe from America, whatever. And then the the um, he's like a Russian general or something like that. Well, you know, indistinct. <laughs> Russian general because he's not necessarily from Russia whatever sure. um, mm-hmm. he's like I know who you are and I know what you do and whatever whatever so then of course she drops the facade and shows that yes she may be a uh, what five foot four or five or whatever but she can seriously flip all over the damn place and kick your ass um, that's the first time we've seen her in the Avengers anyway because when mm-hmm. she's introduced into the MCU is in Iron Man 2 and she her her sexiness is muted like she shows up and she's not necessarily overtly sexual again because this Mm -hmm. is a disney movie but also um she doesn't really show off like her figure or anything like that until she dons the suit towards the end of the movie um And that's not really a spoiler. The movie's like 10 years old. So yeah. <laughs> it comes on TV yeah, like every right. other weekend, I think. So Yeah, exactly. You know. Same way with Kill Bill. There's right? no, spoilers. no spoilers. It's on Netflix. Exactly. Fuck you if you haven't seen it. Just Seriously. See it it's been out long enough. <laughs> I swear you could watch everything on YouTube in parts, if not the whole oh, thing. Yeah. So, oh, sure. You know. Sure. Um, anyway, I was going somewhere with all that. I think maybe that was it. <laughs> <laughs> um. 
it's interesting though because it some of the common tropes of the female assassin it usually is um it, a man has done done the woman wrong but the man represents larger problems within society he just happens to be the vessel for it it's mm-hmm. it's almost the flip of like the um the scheming woman or the or the witch kind of trope where it's like certain thing and, and this is the problem with it because certain things that are societal ills you attribute to one person or one character um but the problem with with making that kind of equivocation is that when it comes to the witch or or the female assassin they're they're doing it in response to what has happened right mm-hmm. right Whereas, like, if it's happening to the man, um, usually it's because he did something first and then they gloss over yeah. what he did or or diminish what he did. But that also uh-huh. plays into how we blame the victim for whatever mm-hmm. is happening mm-hmm. to them and how we're conditioned to blame the victims. Because, of course, as soon yeah. as something happens, like, well, what did they do? What do you mean, what did they do? Well, there's two sides right. to every story. Yeah. Well, you shouldn't have been walking out late wearing a, a miniskirt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's your own fault. Right. Or, you know, if your car is broken into, like, well, you shouldn't have parked it there. Like, what? What, what do you Or mean? you should have left something on the front seat or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And it, it sounds, it's happened for so long and persisted for so long that when people do it, it seems innocuous. Um, But it's still, like, once you sit there, like, really analyze what people are saying you know after the shock wears off it's like are you fucking kidding me <laughs> like, right yeah no kidding. Like, so with yeah. the female assassin if her story is oftentimes you know she's raped or uh, not not even just raped but like sexually assaulted um mm-hmm. and that coupled with um you know being beaten and usually left for dead um mm-hmm. somehow it's it's her fault that that happened to her somehow if she was out late if she was wearing you know the dress if she's cuz mm-hmm. one of the characters that the video referenced uh the character was mute um you know so if the her attackers you know if she just spoke up or if she just you know yelled yeah. and said hey stop even though, like she can't cuz she's mute right yeah. um <laughs> segue not segue but uh tangent (laughs) um Uh i remember watching fantasia's um the singer not the not the movie but um (laughs) i was watching her behind the music and she talked about being raped at 16 and Uh um her father it was also being interviewed and he he's like well i i wasn't blaming her but I, you know, I told her, well, you know, if you weren't, you know, wearing these dresses uh, and if you weren't hanging out with uh, these boys, you know, this wouldn't happen to you. So it's like, so you're blaming her. Uh-huh. uh-huh. That's, that's what, exactly what it is. Right. Like that's, that's what you're doing, sir. That's what you're doing. Because <laughs> if the roles were reversed or if your daughter was your son, you wouldn't say that. Uh-huh. You would say, how dare this happen to my son or... How dare this system failed my son? You don't say that when it's your daughter. You make it your daughter's fault. And then if we add mm-hmm. in classism, racism, and so on and so forth, 
then it's oh well those people do that all the time or you know well, what did you expect? I mean, they're they're from this certain area, this certain background, or right. you know, they 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 don't have means like we do. I mean, what do you expect them to do? I mean, it 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 just snowballs. It's not even a slippery slope argument. It's it snowballs, um, mm-hmm. and that's the kind of ish that leads to the creation of uh, female assassins or this the revenge fantasy. Because again. As we always say, it's talking about the reclamation of power. Because right. all of those stories, your power is taken away from you, whether that's agency, mm-hmm. whether that's your sense of normalcy, security, safety, you are violated by somebody or something, or usually in this case, a character who's, re- who's supposed to represent something bigger. And so while we identify, or at least we can identify and empathize with killers, <laughs> is because they we deem their story um, as either justifiable, sometimes righteous. Um, yeah. And we've all experienced that where like, I'm sorry, we all experience what, whether it's something mm-hmm. big or small, we all experience this feeling of powerlessness. So we want to identify with somebody who's taking their power back because we know we can't or we can't do it in that way. Right, like yes, you can rail against the system, but even though there's, we there's, can't go kill our, we can't kill go kill oppressors, oppressors like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, we can't, mm-hmm. we can't go around punching everybody in the face and and so on and so forth. Like that's the whole thing with superheroes and why we gravitate towards superheroes and certain superheroes, um, who female female assassins can be superheroes. They can be or antiheroes. Um, because they let us live out those revenge fantasies in ways obviously that you can't in real life, or mm-hmm. at least obviously you're not supposed to, but in the last well, few yeah. years they've shown you, it's like, oh yeah, you mm-hmm. can do that. And evidently nothing will happen to you, but you know, evidently, mm-hmm. you know, that's a different well, podcast okay. episode. <laughs> <laughs> so the revenge, the revenge thing. So, okay. So I think the video touched on this too, when it comes to, the revenge thing where, you know, women are going to avenge themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Get revenge on those who have, you know, physically assaulted them, whatever. Whatever the, the, the you know, um, the thing was against them. Which, in a way, I think the video talks about this too. But it's definitely almost an insult uh, to, to women in a way. It's, again, viewed through the male lens that a woman could never be a badass like John Wick unless she was wronged first. Mm-hmm. Meaning, there can't be women assassins who just do it for the money. <laughs> right. Or because, hey, I'm really good at this. Why don't I make a, a buck off this? You know, that they the only way a woman would ever would ever flip to that side is if she's sexually, se- sexually assaulted or something like that. Which, in a way, is kind of a... <laughs> A warped insult for me mm-hmm. <laughs> in a way it really is kind of a warped insult because basically that's saying again that women are the weaker women are the more mm, passive of the species which mm. Mm, I beg to differ especially because mm-hmm. of my other podcast I definitely <laughs> beg to fucking differ <laughs> that they are you know the less aggressive uh, this is I'm not I'm not slamming anybody here but mm-hmm. working in Flint schools Mm-hmm. Uh, the difference between a chick fight and a dude fight, um, I'll be honest with you, mm, I'd rather much be in a dude fight. 
because <laughs> chicks don't play. I tell yeah. people this when they don't understand because people are always like, oh, you know, those boys. No, no, no. See, when I was in Flint, this is what I learned. I would watch those boys. Those boys would posture for a very long time. They'd talk smack for hours. They would even, I was at Flint Northern, so there were two <laughs> boys, and we had heard at lunch that they were going to fight. They come up two separate hallways on either side of this school, and they start roaming the hallways, gathering big groups of, of other kids, right? Mm -hmm. The two sides, right? And they're going to fight. Well, never happened because <laughs> they didn't want to really and they were part of part of that thing is they're letting everybody know that they're going to do it but then somebody intervenes you know security comes up there and intervenes right so oh we can't fight today whatever chicks are different the only the only warning because again that's all a bunch of posturing by the boys they're warning everybody we're going to fight but in a way it's kind of like a cry of hey I don't want to do this can somebody step in and we're going to we're going to build it up big enough right until somebody steps in and then since they stepped in neither one of us loses face right mm -hmm. it's like a psychological thing girls on the other hand the only warning that they will give you is they will show up at school in sweats <laughs> and you're like uh oh something's going to go down how do you know because that chick dresses to the nines usually when she comes to school and she's dressed in sweats her hair is not done and she's not wearing jewelry and that means somebody's going to get their ass kicked. <laughs> or what's even sneakier is girls will sit in the classroom and then they'll just quietly say, can I go to the restroom? Sure. And when they get up, they immediately walk over to some other girl and punch her square in the face. There's no, no warning. There's no yelling back and forth. There's no cussing at each other. There's no smack talk. She'll just get, she'll like put her phone down, get up and just smack that other girl and then be ready. For retaliation wow. the biggest one and this is the biggest one that that um you know i'm shouting out to those other teachers also right outside my room <laughs> uh at flint northern uh it was after lunch again everybody's you know going to their classes just doing the usual in between classes loudness and then it got really loud and i stepped out and all of a sudden this other girl this one girl grabbed the other girl's hair right her weave right and yanked it so hard there's like blood and of course weave on the floor the other girl turned around and clocked her so hard it knocked her against the other side of the hallway and then wow. everybody just jumped in and i was like okay so of course my instinct because i used to do this at the school that you and i met at i'm mm -hmm. moving everybody out of the way back up back up back up me and a couple other teachers separating everybody right uh -huh. you there yes okay yes. i didn't hear you <laughs> And then I didn't see this coming, but every fight after this I did, <laughs> even though it happened to me more than once. Uh, I immediately I looked up because I heard somebody yell, and then there was a whistle. And I looked up, and so did everybody else, and I got maced straight in the face oh. by security because security does not give a shit. <laughs> they just walked up calmly, blew the whistle, said "Hey," and then pop, and then four different security guards just popped mace all over the hallway. Wow. That's a girl fight. <laughs> exactly. I never had a problem with a boy fight. A boy fight, me as a female, here's where the patriarchy comes into, though. Because me as a female, I saw male teachers, you know, pull boys off each other. Me as a female, walking between a boy fight, hey, y'all need to stop. And they, they back off. They don't want to hit the female teacher. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, it doesn't apply everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. Of course not. But for the most part, 
I never had problems with boy fights. It was always girl fights because people don't realize girls are aggressive. They've been held down for so long. Mm -hmm. And now girls are starting to become more and more aggressive. Not just girls in Flint, Michigan. Girls everywhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because they've been, that, that's been held back. They've been told, hey, that's not how a lady talks. Mm -hmm. That's not how a lady dresses. That's not how a lady acts. You're supposed to be, you know, sweet and docile. So the idea of a female assassin, to bring it back around, I promise I had a point. <laughs> the idea of a female assassin liking her job and doing it just for money, like she's never been raped, there's never been anything wrong. She just kind of likes the violence. She's good at shooting or stabbing or whatever she does. Maybe all of it, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe she's good at all of it. And she likes the money. She makes a lot of money doing it. They I, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of one that's, that's a, a female John Wick. Somebody please let me know if there is one, because I can't find one. I don't think there, honestly, right. I don't think there is. But see, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's kind of an insult in a way. Mm -hmm. It's kind of an insult in a way yeah, that a woman is. could never be like that, because it's always through that, that lens of patriarchy, and not just that, but yeah, it is, that's what it is, because mothers wouldn't tell their daughters any of that stuff if it wasn't the men that told the women that, to mm -hmm. begin with. Right? It's the, oh, you're going out in that? You're, no daughter of mine's going out in that. Mm. Are you kidding me? You know, no daughter of mine should be having sex, but mm. hey, kid, hey, boy, just put a rubber on it. You know, put put a little raincoat on it. Well, you hope it's not little, but you know what I'm saying. Put a raincoat <laughs> on it and go have fun, right? Mm. But girls... Are well, it's contradictory, right? Because if you're going to say, like, the girls yes. shouldn't be having sex or whatever, but the boys mm -hmm. either can, it's like, well, the boys are having sex with the girls. Well, at least mm -hmm. you hope they are, right? Otherwise, they're having sex with other guys, and then now you're mad. Yeah, so it's like it, it's it, it, it all of it when you actually because nobody examines it for what it is, right? It's a neurosis. Mm -hmm. It's like it doesn't make any mm -hmm. sense, but it's persisted for so long, and it's built into the culture, quote unquote culture, yep. that you're not supposed to talk about these things. It's just it's do it, uh, do what I say, not as I do. Nice. But mm -hmm. is garbage, right? Especially if you then turn around and say that you're supposed to lead by example. Like, then which one is it? You can't have it both ways. Mm -hmm. But because again, this mm -hmm. has persisted for so long, and it's about power, and then couple that with you're not supposed to talk about or critique people in positions of power these things are allowed to happen so in response yep. we create these kinds of characters or these these archetypes right mm -hmm. a woman would never want that kind of power unless she was wronged first mm -hmm. and that pisses me off mm -hmm. it's not that I'm <laughs> please understand I'm not trying to promote you know women being assassins I'm not trying to promote anybody killing anybody <laughs> right. of course not that's not my point my point is if it's if it's there where a woman can't be aggressive enough to to want to kill for money, right? No sexual part of it at all, right? Because mm -hmm. a lot of assassins you don't even see them, so why why would you you know send in a femme fatale for it? Mm -hmm. If she's a sharpshooter, she's a fucking sharpshooter, right? She doesn't need to go in there and use her body for it. Um, so if a woman can't do that. That, that just goes back to the whole, a woman shouldn't be, what, a CEO. Because mm -hmm. if a woman is a CEO, that, that you know, is anti-feminine, mm -hmm. right? That makes her more masculine. Any type of woman who has any kind of aggression to her, oh, she's, you know, uh, you know she's, she's, she's too villain. aggressive. She's a broad. She's a bitch. She's a terrible person. She's you know, a she's, villain. She, well, usually it's a bitch. Yeah. She's a, a, 
you know, abroad. She's, you know, all these other kind of derogatory, supposedly derogatory statements, which, you know, as Tina Fey and, and uh, Amy, Amy Poehler said, you know, bitches, that's a, that's a good term. Take that with pride. You know, wear that with pride. I am a bitch. Yes. Because I get things done. Bitches get things done. Mm-hmm. Bitches make changes. And yet, whether you like her or not, Nancy Pelosi is a bitch. But I support her. And Kamala Harris, bitch, I love her. Yes. But why does it have to be that word? And it's funny because when they use bitch for woman, it means that, you know, oh, God, she's such a fucking bitch. But when you use it for a man, oh, he's weak. Mm-hmm. He'd be a whiny-ass bitch. Mm-hmm. Or a punk-ass <laughs> you know? bitch. I love that one. Or a punk-ass, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of like like uh, Trevor Noah said, you know, why why do why use the term pussy for a guy that's that's soft? You know, if he's, if he's too weak and you use the term pussy, that's wrong because... Pussy is one of the strongest things out there. I mean, it gives birth, for God's sakes. I mean, that thing dilates like huge to let out a human head, much less a body. Look at some of them 10-pound babies. Yeah, that came out of that girl. <laughs> my question it's with strong, that is, I was like, right? you can still walk after that? And I, was like, I know, exactly. Some of my friends, Trust they, me. they had some big head babies. I was like, and you're still I walking. had big head babies. Liz was eight pounds nine ounces. Liam was almost nine pounds, and both of them had heads that were giant. Like they were, they were huge. They were like <laughs> fucking bowling balls. I swear. <laughs> Definitely larger than a grapefruit. So take a grapefruit and think about passing that, or what? What Carol Burnett said: If you want to know what childbirth feels like, pass a bowling ball out of your butthole. <laughs> That's pretty much it. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know that that whole. You know, any time, and Madonna did a song also, What It Feels Like for a Girl. Mm. It's like at the beginning of that song, she talks about how, you know, girls can cut their hair. They can, they can, you know, dress like a dude or whatever. And if, you know, but if a, if a guy does that, he's immediately, he's immediately considered weak. Mm. You know, a whole transvestite thing. We're not going to even talk about, you know, um, transsexual or anything like that because that's a whole different thing mm-hmm. but a man who is heterosexual but enjoys wearing women's clothing mm-hmm. oh people are terrible about that but a chick goes out in you know pants mm-hmm. all the time which were traditionally men's clothing which i find funny also <laughs> but so you know that whole idea that you're weak if you if you you know appear womanly mm-hmm. right he's effeminate that kind of stuff. Whereas, you know, and if a girl goes anywhere near being, you know, strong or whatever, she's butch. Mm-hmm. It's like that with assassins too. A female can't be an assassin just to be an assassin. Because it's talking about it. I was talking about power, but it it's also mm-hmm. yes. Since men write this typically, well, used to. Um, mm-hmm. It's more so a commentary on what because they know what they've done and what they would do with that power. That's mm-hmm. that's what it always boils down to. Anytime oh God, you're right. <laughs> well, anytime people like cuz when you make these characters, they're projections of yourself, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. anything that you you have to say about the character or that what you put into the character, it's like you're the author of the character. You're revealing things about yourself. That's what happens when you write whether you realize it or not, that's what you're doing. So when mm-hmm, you have mm-hmm. a character who is supposed to be the scum of the earth or a character who enjoys killing or 
can do it just for the fuck of it is that yeah because that's what you do that's what you want to do you may not act on those emotions or those desires but that you know what you would do and what you have done with your power that's what that is that's exactly what right. it is and that's why female characters who who do you know wipe out whole civilizations if they can like if the character is written that way those characters aren't femme fatales or female assassins those characters are witches or sorceress or yeah. villainous you know villainesses villainesses hmm. villains i guess i don't know the plural that i know right <laughs> um, the feminine the feminine verse see now we got a feminine version too exactly instead of just being a villain right mm-hmm. um but that character is always Actor, right yeah exactly but that character mm-hmm. is always um is always perceived as as like some kind of monumental threat, right? Eve, mm-hmm. Eve is is now oh I know shaped, from the very beginning right is shaped to be, um you know the 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 reason for the fall of man her not mm-hmm. not the, not the person not that man was weak right well that but not the person who created <laughs> the garden or person but the entity that created the garden yeah. And then mm-hmm. the created the devil in the first place. Exactly. But that also plays into when you when you create these things, you also create your own villain. That's it's the same story. Every every superhero story, it's the same thing. You created your antithesis. Superman, depending on who tells the story, but Superman created Lex Luthor in the beginning mm-hmm. until they reinvented him. Batman created the Joker, right? When he was the Red Hood, he fell into a vat of acid and became the Joker, but Batman was involved. He created his uh, antithesis. Cheetah is uh, Wonder Woman's, uh, well, supposed to be arch nemesis. Um, She had a hand in that. It's the same thing, but nobody addresses the root cause of it, right? They always come after the... um, the extremities from it but they never get to the root now granted it is easier said than done um you have to deal with what's in front of you but we're getting to the point and maybe that's why this the conversations are shifting we're getting Mm -hmm. to the point now where we're getting past the surface level stuff and part of it is generational because in my estimation anyway generation x when they grew up with the during that phase of the civil rights movement and um, the feminist movement um, mm-hmm. in the 60s and 70s, all those kids grew up and became what we now call content creators. But they became directors Me. and right and authors mm-hmm. and everything during the late 80s and early 90s. Excuse me. And a lot of what you notice is a lot of the material that they put out is about exposing things behind the curtain because they grew up during Vietnam and Watergate in the civil rights movement, that phase of the civil rights movement. Those those major like culture touch points, right? If you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Millennials grew up with the internet in 9-11. So yeah. those of us who are venturing into becoming um, directors and authors and so on and so forth, a lot of the stuff that we're addressing is um, terrorism, whether that's um, yeah. domestic or abroad. 
um, we're talking about how the media and the government of whatever country you live in always mm-hmm. has like some kind of subversive um, or ulterior motives, not even subversive, but ulterior motives. Um, and then that's given rise to now the Zoomer generation who can see all of that as well. So it's compounded, like it's, it's like interest. It's compounded. Yeah. Now, Zoomers who are moving into the spaces of being content creators are are able, and plus you have the advent of the internet and social media, you're pushing past just surface level talking points. Now you're getting to the root cause of the, of the problem. At least you're getting closer to the root cause. And over mm-hmm. the last, especially the last four years, that's been exacerbated by not only Donald Trump, but um, this uptick around the world where certain people are moving into positions of power that either don't belong there or what they've done with that power. Mm-hmm. 30, 40, 60 years ago, they could operate in the space with very little accountability or the people that they were accountable to did not have the power to hold them accountable. That's mm-hmm. shifted because of technolo- technological advances and just part of it too is the, the generational shift of like, oh, all right, now that I can tell you what I really think of you in mm-hmm, 140 mm-hmm. characters or less or whatever it is now, right? And because I have like more access to you that I didn't have 25, 30 years ago, there is an element of accountability um, in a very real or a very tangible way that there wasn't, you know, decades ago. Um, mm-hmm. And so bringing it back <laughs> to a female assassin, why I think part of the reason why we empathize so much with that character, why we can is um, especially women in particular, because it is a female assassin, but men too, and any, anywhere on the gamut, gender binary, so on and so forth, you can identify with that character because again, that character is supposed to represent your response to a power structure and it's Mm -hmm. supposed to represent your response to how this power structure has either privileged you robbed you in most cases both because if if it's done both then that makes for a more compelling story because it's not just a clear one or the other that's what makes it murky and what causes the conversation because a lot of the assassins, usually the female assassins, are portrayed as ostensibly heterosexual, sometimes bisexual. Um, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Especially the females. The females. Yeah. Most, right. Mostly, I think, aren't they? Well, even if they're not necessarily bisexual, but they're not, we call it what, fluid, right? Or, yeah, they, or they're still so. using it, even if they're using it against other women, it's still a weapon for them to, mm-hmm. for, a weapon for mm-hmm. them to use. Um, but they're ostensibly heterosexual. It still plays into a white supremacist lens of how uh, characters are constructed because you're ostensibly heterosexual, affluent, um, or at least close, you have proximity to affluence. And if you don't, if you don't come from um, like a middle-class background or, um, or a wealthy background, even if you are quote unquote working class, you can use your feminine wiles to climb the ladder, right? The, right. the social ladder. So there's that. Um, they're usually white, whatever that is, quote unquote white. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And they don't make it... Except Halle Berry. She's like played two assassins. True. Not right. including Catwoman. Right. Well, Catwoman? Well, that version of Catwoman, I don't know what that was. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, and I said typically. Like, obviously, it's not across the board. But, mm-hmm. but even bringing up Halle Berry, that would be almost tokenism. It's like, well, there's Halle Berry. But, yeah, that's like your one black right. friend. Like, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. right? Um, they don't make it ex- explicitly clear. But... The assumption is usually that these characters are um, Christian. They're either Catholic, especially if they're like from another country. If the if the character is like yeah. like um, like a French female assassin or something like that, they make it. They don't say it explicitly, but they it's implied, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's usually some form of Christianity, usually Catholicism. Um, well, in 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 those kind of in the entertainment industry, anyway, no matter how you know what it is, if somebody's white, typically they're they're assumed Christian. Mm-hmm. Well, even the, even over Judaism or anything else, they're just mm-hmm. assumed all right. Especially if you have a blonde female, she's Christian. Mm-hmm. Yes, doesn't matter what what denomination, she's Christian. Yes, <laughs> well, because that that's the five tenets of white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. It's set up by ostensibly heterosexual I say ostensibly because obviously you don't know yeah, well. what somebody is doing not even just in the bedroom and whether they act in it or not it's like you're still somewhere on on that scale but mm-hmm. ostensibly heterosexual affluent and that's the main part because you have to have money and wealth in order to make this thing work and have it work mm-hmm. best for you so Obstensibly heterosexual, affluent, white, this construct of white, whatever that is, because people still can't tell me, and um, yeah. male, you have to be a man, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. and Christian, preferably Protestant, some form of Protestantism will accept Catholicism, but the only reason why that has an asterisk on it is because the Catholic Church at the time was, one, associated with the king, and two, it, because it had more power, that's it. Like that's why the Catholic Church yeah. could declare things as, declare things as heresy because it went it challenged the power of the church. So well, you know, and it gets it's get it gets creepy in some spots too. You know, it's really easy to have you know because of some of the things that Catholics believe. Um, you know, you can be an assassin and maybe get your sins absolved. Mm-hmm. You know, via confession or that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know? And of course, the history of the Catholic Church being assassins themselves has really <laughs> kind of lends itself to that kind of stuff. You know, well, with this, like the Spanish Inquisition and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, other things. Uh, <laughs> so it kind of it kind of lends itself to that whole weird mystic Christianity mm-hmm. thing, you know, which is why I'm pretty sure Dan Brown uses the Catholic Church for all his novels, you know, like Da Vinci Code and shit like that, mm-hmm. is because of all the... You know, well, the extra stuff that Catholics do. Well, Assassin's Creed, the the, the original mm-hmm. games anyway, were were like that. They touched on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's ritualistic, and I think that's part of it too. Is because mm-hmm. because you know, assassins supposedly are ritualistic when it comes to certain things, and I think that you know, Catholic Church kind of lends itself to that too, because the Catholic Church is very ritualistic. Yeah. Compared to compared to most Protestant um, denominations, they're not as ritualistic true and there is like that regiment of like because assassins are usually portrayed as like very um organized and very very mm-hmm. on point mm-hmm. very particular um right very what's the word i'm looking for um 
not pristine. I'm write something about a sloppy assassin. Right? <laughs> it's like somebody... It, it, One that just bumbles through stuff like Inspector Clouseau or Johnny English <laughs> and somehow gets the job done. I wonder, but it looks do they like have a any the characters like that? That would be pretty funny, <laughs> I actually. I think so. Not that I'm not that I'm aware of as far as like assassins are concerned. So if anybody knows of like a bumbling assassin, mm-hmm. please let us know because that would be kind of fun to right. to check out. Because I mean, I, I love the bumbling detective, like Johnny English or you know, uh, Inspector Clouseau, you know, mm-hmm. Peter Sellers. Is, but you know, yeah, a, a bumbling assassin or thief. But yet, still is successful, mm. <laughs> but just never gets caught by the, uh, you know, by means of mishap. Yeah, it's like it, you, you, <laughs> so seriously, like if you had it on a resume, it's like so your, your strategy is literally dumb luck. It's like yeah, it's worked this far. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I want an assassin to be able to do it by dumb luck. Yeah, yeah that'd be cool. And nobody steal that idea. That is cop. I'm gonna copyright that idea. <laughs> Tammy Chase, that's my idea. There you go. Nobody take my idea. Yep. Hey, that's, Mm-mm. you know, artistic license. That's my rights. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever those are. <laughs> Copyright laws are so fucked up anyway. Yeah. So mm. well, we could always blank it out, right? <laughs> that's true. That's true. And you know what? But I'll keep the audio, like, because I always keep all the, the, the practice audio, the, all the audios anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'll keep that for ideas for myself and then just, of course, edit it out of this. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, anyway, I think and it, it when the video touched on it um, or with the female assassins, you mm-hmm. now you're starting to see, um, well, maybe in the last mm, 30, 40 years or so, maybe again with the part of that generational mm-hmm. shift. Um and obviously the advent of, of different technology, you are starting to see different um, uh, different versions of the female assassin. You're seeing female mm-hmm. assassin, and then this is, it ties back to what you said earlier. Even though there are different female assassins, um, they still ha- share the common trauma of being raped or having their, being mm-hmm. raped and having their child stolen from them or having their family life stolen from them. Um, or having, mm-hmm. um, you know, the the dream of what a of quote unquote what a woman is supposed to do or have or be right taken yeah, from yeah exactly the mother mm-hmm. all that kind of the mother the wife you know the whatever mm-hmm. where it's like <laughs> yeah if so so if we had a character where she didn't want any of those things right that's what I'm. And that's what you were saying earlier, but it's like, yeah, it's just like, so what if you had a character isn't necessarily, at least doesn't at the start, enjoys killing, but more so, um, how do you want to put it? Because usually with the beginning of the character, you know, it's like you have to have some kind of catalyst to be in this kind of a world. Now, you could be mm-hmm. a sociopath and just be like, yeah, how about that? But then <laughs> those characters usually become... Uh, the villain, right? Because we we still want to mm-hmm. we pretend that we want to have this whole line of like moral authority to be like, well, you can't be just an unrepentant killer. But if that character was male, you go, shit, he's fucking badass. How do we know this? Yeah. You call him the Punisher. So yeah, if you exactly. Mm-hmm. A female version of the Punisher. Do you have a like? I I can't off the top of my head think of Mm-mm. a comic book character either. like Except- that. Except, like I said, you know, the one I'm writing, but mm-hmm. it's not quite like the Punisher, but it's still. Mm-hmm. It's it, 
and again we're trying to get to the source we're trying to push past and it's hard too because this Mm -hmm. has persisted for so long so to even think that uh, a female character or I don't want to say a female character but a woman would enjoy Mm -hmm. killing or that a woman especially because part of it too is that women are synonymous with life because women give birth so it's hard to have like that it, it creates that cognitive dissonance of saying like um you know women shouldn't enjoy killing because women create life like how could you have you know those two things but Mm -hmm. the truth is yes you can have those two things (laughs) listen again listen to my podcast yes (laughs) you can have those two things if you can Mm -hmm. recognize it in other species where the mothers eat their young (laughs) right Mm -hmm. if you could recognize it in other species that sometimes the they kill other people's babies exactly like mm-hmm. but because the the image of the woman again through a specific lens is always supposed to be the fairer sex again quote unquote the fairer sex um life bringers and the men are are right. the warriors who are supposed to protect the life of the life bringers at least that's how it's that's how it's portrayed obviously that doesn't yeah. happen all the time Mm-mm. um no, you know it. It's hard, and because it's but, again, you know, it's boys will so be long. boys. It is boys but, will be boys. So you know, it, it's understandable that the warrior is not going to always protect, you know, mm-hmm. the the life giver because you know he's aggressive. He's male. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, he'll just you know, he'll just have a bad day. <laughs> yeah, trash in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh huh. He'll just have a bad day. He'll just have enough and. Have a bad day and kill the life givers. Or his cousin mm-hmm. in, uh, it wasn't really his cousin, but you know, they're all connected. So his cousin in uh, mm-hmm. Boulder, Colorado, or whatever happened mm-hmm. in Virginia Beach over the weekend. Like, good grief. Anyway. I didn't hear about that one, but now I'll be looking that up in just a second. Yeah. Yeah. Anywho, um, mm-hmm. and this obviously is not to diminish what happened to the victims, but we're not going to blame no. the victims. We're not doing that. No. Anyway. No. Um, but unfortunately, see, because things have things have shifted, it won't surprise me if the next person who makes a female assassin character uses these real world events as part of their backstory. But as we said earlier, that also still plays into the the trope of like something being taken from you. In this case, unfortunately, someone's life. Right. And that. That um, particular um, event, because I don't want to call it a trope, because it seems like that minimizes it. But that event, mm-hmm. that seems to be universal. Where, like, of course, Bruce Wayne's parents were both murdered, so that inspires him to become Batman. Superman lost his whole world because um, it blew up. So, you know, that is it partially inspires him. Um, to become Superman because really at the root of it is like you're trying to get something back that you know you never can it plays into what honestly most most societies are are predicated on this idea mm-hmm. of attaining the unattainable that's why we do perfectionism so much because we know we'll never be perfect but we strive to be perfect right and we'll mm-hmm. set up something to like okay this entity deity this idea is perfect we're trying to get to that right we'll never get there 
but we try like because that makes sense for some for some reason you know and again that idea has persisted for so long that these characters whether it's in literature um television video games whatever that's part of why we can identify with them part of it i mean Mm -hmm, we touched mm -hmm. on other things but this idea of, of attaining the unattainable of like trying to get you know some goal that's just out of reach it's like how the joker said it's like he's like a dog chasing cars he wouldn't know what to do if he got one he just does it it's like yeah mm-hmm. it's like you're trying to attain the unattainable you're trying to grab something that is always just out of reach but you know you got to keep you got to keep doing it so the question would be so what if you don't what if you stopped what if you what if you stop trying to attain perfection mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm like so what if yeah what if it's just but if you just don't do it that is an option it right? is an option are you talking about like people bettering themselves versus just not no no because see like okay. bettering yourself is is one thing if you're doing and you're doing that for your mm-hmm. your benefit but what if right. if you're working within a structure that tells you to, mm-hmm. to achieve something that inherently is unattainable oh yeah Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. What if you don't? Right? Well, if you don't do it, the whole thing collapses. So they put things. If we all collectively said, if we said, yeah, fuck magazine. Yeah, fuck it. (laughs) I'm not doing it. Well, then the whole thing collapses. So they put things in place. They, the quote unquote they, but the powers that Mm -hmm. be, the powers that be are, their interest, of course, is to protect their power. So they put things in place that force you to participate. You have yeah. to participate, even if you don't want to. You have to in order to survive. That's the part that sucks. Yeah. You have to have the cell phone. Mm-hmm. You have to have the car. You have mm-hmm. to have those things to survive. You have, you have to, to have, have money. You have to have money in order to pay for money. all of these things. And whether you Which get... Means you have to have a job. Right. <laughs> whether you get a lot of it or a little bit of it or you're scraping to get by, mm-hmm. like you still need money whatever that is right gold Mm -hmm. dollar bills whatever social construct this you have to do it you have to in order in order to put one foot in front of the other otherwise you will die so you don't have an option of not participating that's and that is that's the diabolical setup of it that's the paradox that people are trying to figure out and i don't know if you can to be honest like yeah. that's the thing it's like well how do you go about as as audrey lord said you can't dismantle the master's house with the master's tools so people who want to work within the system to change it it's like well, you're not really doing anything not anything structurally you're just yeah. you're, you're playing you're you're moving around puzzle pieces but you're not changing anything like we talked about last week though is the alternative okay but you can't just all burn it down either because then it hurts all the other people right you know like you can't, that's, that's you can't just burn that's the yeah. safeguard yeah. yeah exactly i mean i mm-hmm. i understand that too so that that makes it like this whole um yeah unwinnable yeah. almost situation you're but, trying to you know, attain I think the maybe... unattainable that's the yeah, whole point. exactly <laughs> it's sure. jenga sure yeah <laughs> Especially when I play. I promise you, that first thing I pull out, I destroy it. I am a destructor of worlds. <laughs> Is that Shiva or Vishnu? I forget which one. I am the destructor of worlds, though. Gozer. 
Isn't that? <laughs> I'm Gozer from Ghostbusters. <laughs> I don't remember which which uh, which Hindu god it is that's the destructor of worlds. I think it's Shiva. I think it's. I think so. I believe it's Shiva, but I'm yeah. I'm not familiar with with the culture to, to say for sure. So yeah, uh, me, I will me say, neither. So I will say I think, but I'm not <laughs> sure. <me> know. <laughs> you can let us know yeah. in our in our email yes, section. Because <laughs> that's yeah, that's who I am when I pull out the the one the very first Jenga move. Like nobody else has gone. I'm the first one, and it falls. I don't know. <laughs> I was but fat fingered. We it. should probably yeah. <laughs> How do you flat? What do you? What does that mean? I always fat fingered it, so I always tried to like get oh. the the one, and then like since I have you know <laughs> since I have big fingers, I'd always like pull. I'd end up knocking <laughs> yeah. out the one, and then taking everything else with it. I was like, damn it, shit, yeah. fuck. <laughs> this is yeah, why I don't I, I don't play Jenga or any. <laughs> I don't you know, I've noticed. I hate that game anyway. Yeah, I, I don't like that. I don't play any of the games anymore. Even even well. I live alone, but even with we're the, gonna the... have to have game night then, Byron. Right. Once we all get vaccinated, come over and we're gonna have a fucking game night because we—that's what we did during the 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 first part this time last year. Uh, Doug Liam and I, because the three of us are yeah in the house because we were not going to physical school this time last year, right? Because mm-hmm. of the pandemic. So that's what we did. We had like a game night like twice a week. We played because nice. I've got Monopoly, I have Life, I have Uno. I mean, I have a ton of games. I hate Monopoly, only because I suck at it. Um, also, there's there's a story <laughs> with Monopoly, which we will we will really? have to. It's it's interesting, but I'll 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 tell you that one uh, later. Um, okay, then okay, we'll add that to the list. Yes. We'll add games, board games, board not game. not we're, yeah, board games. We're we're not you know gonna add like video games. We'll talk about video games some other time. Yes. We'll um, add board. Well, we'll add video games to it too. But I think we already had video games on that list. Anyway, board games. Yes. yes. Uh, yeah. I do I mean, miss a yeah, Connect Four. You're of a yeah. Oh yeah, Connect Four, Battleship. Battleship and uh, sorry. Oh, I yes. Yeah. But I. In trouble. I, I cannot be beat at Uno. Uh uh-uh. uh. I've I not can't. played Uno in. I've I love Uno, but this. I've not played Uno in a long time. I am fucking vicious at Uno. I, I'm not a competitive person, not really mm-hmm. in any kind of way. I'll be honest with you, except Uno. <laughs> and oh yeah, I get, I get, I get really vicious. As in like, <laughs> mean things will be said <laughs> by me. My true, my, my, you know, everybody has that ugly side of them, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that mind comes out in Uno. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's but but I win. <laughs> because I have I have I have it, it you can I, there's actually a strategy to Uno. Hmm. And I have it. And the only other person that could possibly compete with me even remotely. I'll, and this I'm not lying. This is all true. Uh would be my brother. Okay. Um when David and I were growing up, we lived in Texas, but our family lived in Michigan. And we traveled there in the summer times. Our grandparents, one set of grandparents would come down and get us. Uh, we'd go up there for two weeks, and then another grandparent would bring us back. Mm-hmm. So we were gone like a month. Um, my parents, I'm sure, enjoyed the hell out of that. We were gone a month, <laughs> but yeah. You know. And it was from about, for about four or five years we did this. Mm-hmm. We knew absolutely nobody up in Michigan. Occasionally we would see our cousins. They lived in Pennsylvania, and that where they live in Pennsylvania is only six hours uh, away from the part of Michigan we were in because we were Swartz Creek and Flint Township 
uh, and they live outside about 50 miles north of Pittsburgh. So it's only a six hour drive on the turnpike, right? The 8090. Uh, so occasionally we would see them, but most of the time not. So David and I only had each other to play with. We were, we are two and a half years apart. So still within a peer group, right? We're a cohort group. So we got really fucking good <laughs> at Uno because that was one of the only things we had to do hmm. for a month. <laughs> So yeah, we got really good at Uno, and we invented other Uno games. <laughs> we invented like Super Uno, and just all kinds of just shit with that. So, hmm. the there's an off kilter for you. <laughs> I remember the only reason why, really quick, I don't like Monopoly. Mm -hmm. Not the only reason. Yeah, tell me. But the tell main, me, yeah. the main reason why I don't like it. Um, mm -hmm. I tell me that story. I was playing with my cousin. And my friends at the time, and I think I was like mm -hmm. nine, ten, somewhere in there. And um, in the middle of the game, mm -hmm. they changed the rules to where mm. your your uh, your money was doubled in a certain like you know how, how can I remember the rules of I can't remember the rules the basic rules of Uno, but anyway, they doubled the amount of money. So and they did it in the middle of the game. It wasn't mm -hmm. as if, because we had already started, it wasn't as if to say, okay, in the next next go around or whatever, your values are mm -hmm. doubled or whatever. No, right in the middle of my fucking turn, they changed mm -hmm. it to where, oh, the, the values are doubled. So I ended up having to like pay mm -hmm. double because I like landed in the, uh, the penalty zone or whatever it was. Again, I, can, I the, can't remember how to play the game. Yeah, the jail. Yeah, but um, I'm like, that's not right you can't just change the change the rules in the middle no. of the game well they were like well yes we can because we all voted on it no no what? i'm not outvoted in this bush you can't just do that so i've had no a very sore oh i don't blame you relationship mm -hmm. with monopoly mm -hmm. it's like a game i because mm -hmm. i didn't want to play in the first place i didn't understand it in the first place not fully yep. and so then no, for them to turn does. around and do that <laughs> Those three things. One, I didn't want to play because I didn't yeah. understand it. And then you change the rules. You, you, it, okay. Yeah. If, yeah. if I had the wherewithal at nine or 10 years old to say, <laughs> wow, this is exactly the game of life. <laughs> yeah, see, life and monopoly are both, they're, they're, they're mislabeled. The game of life is nothing like life. Because uh -huh. I always end up with like 25 kids. Uh -huh. <laughs> There's no place in those cars for 25 kids. And then Monopoly is nothing, you know, it's not really a Monopoly. It's more like life. Mm -hmm. So that one actually should have been should have been titled Life. And you know what? The unofficial name, full name of Monopoly is Monopoly, the game that's been breaking up families since 1936. <laughs> <laughs> because nobody walks, only one person ever walks away from Monopoly happy. And that's usually the person that wins. Although, depending on how the losers react, that person doesn't walk away happy either. And usually there's a whole lot of flipping the boards and fuck it, I'm done. Mm -hmm. This is a stupid game. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. it is a stupid game. Yes. Well, we should probably wrap this up anyway. We're at like an hour and 15 minutes again. Yes. Or do we need a part two? Uh, or have we said most of everything about female assassins? I think I've said everything I need to say. Yeah, me, me too. Yeah. It was a, it was a good it was a good topic. It was it was it was fun to to it was fun to watch that video uh, on YouTube. Um, mm -hmm. And if anybody's interested, um, go ahead and tell them what the video is. That way they oh, can look up that video yes. too. That way um, they can maybe watch that and give us any feedback. 
Yes. Um. I, sorry. Yeah. All right. So the video is done by uh, I guess their podcast, but um, they're called the Take. Um, mm-hmm. And so if you just search that on YouTube, I'm sure they're on like Patreon and other platforms, but um, they discuss uh, the female assassins trope. So you can just type in the take um, mm-hmm. female assassins and then that video will come up. Um, they also yep. discuss a myriad of other topics uh, similar to, to us, but theirs is more constructed because they're only talking about one thing. We like to go off on tangents because we're awesome. <laughs> And, <laughs> and it's um, more fun. It it's is. definitely more fun. It is. I don't think they have conversation. Well, plus, I mean, those videos usually are like 20 to 30 minutes, so they don't have the yeah. the time um, or right, the space right. to go off on the tangents. But, sure. And, and personal stuff. Yeah, I mean, we, we do some personal stuff. So. Yeah. Um, but they, they're they pretty they're pretty dope. I like, uh, mm-hmm. I like that. There are a yeah, few I people like that too. I watch um, when I do not necessarily research, but just to get different opinions or different perspectives. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, check them out. The take on yeah. YouTube and probably other platforms. Yeah. Um, and watch I don't it. Know and if names. you, I wish I knew. Yeah. That. I don't know. Next time I'll, I'll make sure. Yes. Yeah. And, and but yeah, we, we do, you know, would, would like you to watch that. So that way, if you have any comments or any kind of uh, feedback or anything, you know, What's your favorite female assassin? I guess mine would be Beatrix Kiddo, um, just off the top of my head, other than the one I'm writing, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but uh, so let us let us know, Byron, who's yours real quick, and then we'll move on to music. Honestly, I don't have the only one that I'm really familiar with is Black Widow, and it's, she's not yeah. necessarily my favorite. She's just the only one I know. I, with that and yeah. La Femme Nikita, because oh, yeah. of the, yeah, yeah. The, the USA TV show. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah, um, but those are like my only, my only reference, my frame of yeah. reference. Really, there was Colombiana, but she, mm, I did like her. I did like her. Zoe Saldana as Colombiana in 2011 mm-hmm. was pretty good. Um, I have to go back and watch that because I I remember it, but I never watched it, so I have to go back and do that. Mm-hmm. That one. She's where YouTube comes in handy. Yeah, she was dope. I like I okay. She mm-hmm. would be my. I guess she'd be my favorite because uh, there's there's a scene in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, don't don't tell me. I won't. But there's a scene in particular that kind of like brings <laughs> it all together. It is at the end, so yeah, I won't spoil okay. it. But there there's a scene at the end in particular that I I really liked. I was like, I okay. like her. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Well, I guess to, to... okay. <laughs> So yeah, tell us what your favorite is. I'll go ahead and put the e- the contact information here, and then Byron, I'll have you do the music. Um, okay. So to to let us know, you know, that you watch the video, and you know what your thoughts about female assassins are, and your favorites, whatever, you can email us at women committing crimes at yahoo.com. No spaces, no caps. Um, I'm gonna have you say it one time, Byron, because I like your voice. That was the wrong email. Oh, my God. All right, let me start over, Byron, and I, I will I will edit that. God damn it. I knew that was going to happen. Oh, that was great. Oh, my God. Save that for the blooper reel. Oh, that was great. Yeah. All right. Let me start that. that let me start this <laughs> that segment over. All right. So... 
<laughs> We're good now. <laughs> you can email us at offkilternofilter at yahoo.com. The bad part is, Byron, I put the woman committing crimes and then I stuck the wrong end of the email on that because it's woman committing crimes at gmail.com. So <laughs> I, I, I totally, totally fucked up the whole thing. So offkilternofilter at yahoo.com. So this time say it, Byron. <laughs> Please email us at offkilternofilter at yahoo.com. No spaces, no caps, all one word. Exactly. <laughs> you can also reach us. Uh, you please follow us on Twitter uh, at no no kilter at no kilter. <laughs> um, and then our Facebook group. Join our Facebook group. It's open to everybody. It's a uh, off kilter no filter Facebook group. <laughs> Come search us for uh, search for us, and uh, that way you know communicate with us. Let us know how you think. Not about this episode either. You can go uh, all the other episodes as well. There's you know. 17 of them so yes. one just uh one just was uploaded today mm-hmm. so about 1990s music so yeah come dance with us on that one yes all right byron talk about speaking of music there's my segue for you <laughs> if you enjoyed the music at the beginning of this podcast this uh, title of the song is called roadblocks by byron alexander Yes, uh, and the music at the end of this uh, episode is the instrumental version of Square One, also by Byron Alexander, from Byron Alexander's debut album yes. Square One, <laughs> which you can find Fantastic. on Amazon, uh, Google Play, Spotify, anywhere you get music. Um, it is there. I'd appreciate it if you guys listen to it. Hopefully you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You can also find uh, instrumental versions of Very Well I Know <laughs> on Women Committing Crimes, uh, which is hosted by Miss Tammy Chase. Uh, and Thank you. The ending song That's on me. that. All right, you got to do, do like uh, the Amanda on the Amanda it's show. It's like, Dear Ashley, that's me. So it's like. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> I remember the Amanda show. Love it. <laughs> um, so at the end of Women Committing Crimes is the instrumental version of Who. Again, you can find all of this anywhere you find music. Um I prefer the getting paid option, but I'm not going to pander. So I just hope you listen to it and buy it. <laughs> yeah, make sure you buy yes. it. No, I was kidding. <laughs> uh, well, and on iTunes, they can give you they can give you five stars on iTunes, so it pops up when people look for R and B, yes, um, music and stuff like that. So yeah, give it five stars on iTunes. It's a fantastic album. I do recommend. I bought two of them. Um, it's it's a it's a a great R and B album. Um, <sighs> dance for sure. Love it. Uh, all right. Well, I'm gonna leave the women committing crimes blooper in there because you know it kind of led to the <laughs> leads to it now. <laughs> so that email that I half gave you at the beginning is from my other podcast, Women Committing Crimes, um, and I've mentioned it throughout this also about you know women that uh, do commit crimes that they're they're actually quite interesting, and not all of them are because of you know like revenge and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Most of them aren't, <laughs> well, um, uh, which makes them even more interesting. The one, uh, oh shoot, the one who started the the drug wars in Miami. Oh yeah, Griselda Blanco. Griselda Absolutely. Blanco. Yes. Everybody loves everybody loves Griselda Blanco. Yeah, because she's got there's a lot of uh, Netflix stuff about her too. Mm-hmm. So my podcast just kind of gives you a little bit more information, adds to it, adds mm-hmm. to the nuance. She she was yeah. Speaking of badass, ah, mm-hmm. she was badass. 
definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yes, so you know, go go listen to that podcast um, as well as if you like podcasts, obviously this one first, please, that we're listening to right now. <laughs> um, also, this is why you're wrong with Stephen Everett. John DeBruin and Alex Alcantar. They make lists about everything. Um, I think recently they did a top 10 uh, favorite Mario games um, and then a top 10 <laughs> names that aren't used anymore, which is also interesting. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I guess, you know, I don't know what would be a name that wouldn't be used. I would have to think about that as far as like, I guess e- Edith is not a, a name that's used very often anymore. Agnes, I guess. For a man, maybe Horatio. I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I'm. I'm or just trying Herschel. to think of like old P- Herschel. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure Herschel Walker's like, hey man, <laughs> that's my name. <laughs> the football player. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's my name. All right. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. So le- listen to them. You know, compare their list to your list. Um, I think that's all I've got today. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else you got today, Byron? Uh, oh, next oh, yeah. next week. Yes, next week. Next week. Speaking of YouTube, next week we're going to... Did I just say YouTube? Oh, my God. <laughs> that sounded like I was like 90. We're going to go get some ice cream. <laughs> we're going to listen. We're going to li- go on the Facebook. <laughs> we're going to go watch the YouTube. <laughs> God damn. All right, let's start that over. Speaking of... <laughs> speaking of YouTube... That's better. <laughs> uh, Liam Watson, you heard him a couple episodes ago about first jobs, so he will be joining us ne- um, next week. Not yet, the one after this. Um, for <laughs> we're going to talk about YouTube, how it, YouTube's influence in our life. You know how how it was before for those of us re- that remember it before. And then of course Liam is only sixteen, so he gets to give you that perspective of you know his whole life has been nothing but YouTube. That sounds terrible, but you know what I mean. It's been a very, it's been very influential in his life, and so um, we get to hear about his experiences with it. And and since all three of us are three different generations, because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm I'm an X, you're you're a millennial, and he's a Zoomer. Mm-hmm. So what we all all three of us use it for will be interesting. You know, I'm hoping our audience, at least you know, for me being an Xer, probably boomers are quite similar to maybe the way I might use it. I don't know, you know. Uh, they can email us. I don't know. I don't even mm. Right, yeah. They can have exactly. their grandkids like email hear. us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can say that cuz we have nobody in the 60 plus. <laughs> Has mm. listens to this podcast, so you know, hey old folks. I know. Hey, exactly. Hey, old folks. Learn about the YouTube. <laughs> you know, I said it just the way you'd say it. I'm okay. I should do that because my mom uses YouTube all the time. Yeah. She's she's actually, and, you know, she's she's a boomer, but she's she's mm. a very uh, she's a, she's a very savvy boomer, boomer and yeah, yeah, she uses YouTube all the time. And, and so was, I'll, I'll I'll also. I respect but, my boomers. Most of yeah. them. Yeah, well, I do too. Yeah, most, most of them. them. Yeah. Not the ones in the government, but... <laughs> Not most of the ones that are, you know, in the government, but yeah. the rest of them. I mean, I was raised by boomers, so, oh, you know. Great. And both my parents are very savvy when it comes to this kind of stuff. You know, they're always willing to learn, which is what I love about about their personalities. Uh, but I'll give you a perspective, because over this next week, I'll talk to them and, you know, 
see how they feel about YouTube and what they use it for, that kind of stuff. Um, so I'll, I'll add that to it as well, uh, as well as my daughter, because she's, she's a millennial like you are. Um, mm -hmm. She's at in that because you're at the beginning of the millennial and she's kind of almost in between right because um, she's 1994 so really she's kind of <laughs> the epitome of a millennial right. well, she, well not her she personality came with but... the she came with she came with the advent of the yeah. internet well as far as like yes. home internet because uh, i hit yeah. 94 so yeah i guess yeah she's a millennial by birth but maybe mm -hmm. her attitude yeah. is more shaped as a zoomer yeah oh definitely oh mm -hmm. is i think actually she's a good combination of an x and a zoomer i think you are too i think mm -hmm. you i think you have a lot of and actually you know what i don't believe in all that millennial bullshit i right. actually think millennials are amazing um i really do because everybody right now is like oh the zoomers are going to save the world mm, i think the millennials will kind of help them yes <laughs> Well, it's a because, joint I mean, effort. Are, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> she's 26 and, you, and you're, you're what, 32? Right? Yeah, well, 33. But I'll, I'll take 32. 33. <laughs> I'll keep creeping towards. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> That's all right. You know what? From now on, from now on, for both of our birthdays, we're going to say one year less than we are. Perfect. So you're 32 and I'm 51. <laughs> I love it. So next year I'll be 50 and, and you'll be 31. Mm -hmm. We'll go backwards. Mm-hmm. The world is upside <laughs> anyway. down anyway, if you really think it's, about it. Yeah. So why not? Oh shit. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, then let's let's go ahead and finish it up. Uh, we will see y'all next week. Um, have a have a great week. Yes, Bye. stay stay safe. Take care. <laughs>